0: of entertainment and enlightenment.
1: We're having an argument already, and Pat comes in early to join in on this. That's not what the double-O status means. They didn't make this black woman a James Bond. They gave her James Bond's double-O moniker because he left. So it doesn't make her James Bond. Right. But James Bond is gone. It's a no. James Bond movie. No, James Bond comes back and he wants to come back in, but she's got his double O status because he lost it.
2: Oh, so how do we replace you with a transgendered Asian? How does that happen? Can we can we get that into effect?
1: <laughs> I would love that. But it, let me use that as an example they wouldn't become Glenn
2: Beck. Oh, they gosh. would just be oh, the host. Are you working for the film company oh, here? Oh, my
1: gosh. This is agonizing. This is the Glenn Beck program. <laughs> no, there's plenty of reasons to be pissed off at the, uh, what, the broccoli family. Uh, but uh, this, is, this is being uh, construed differently. Oh. Oh, man. I, you know what? Can't wait to hear that. I have some, uh, I have some cowboy boots from uh, uh to Covis. and the nice thing about them is is i can i can place them not so gently into the rear ends of people like pat and Stu, <laughs> uh and they're nice they're handmade mm-hmm. they're they're you know hand stitched they're very very nice boots uh but they do they are able to go deep into some because you know, they got that cowboy flare there at the front, and I like it extra pointy just so it can be inserted easier. Um, Tacovas <laughs> is a, a great boot. They're built to last using only the best materials, lizard, alligator, ostrich, some of the most exotic leathers, uh, no shortcuts. They are comfortable right out of the box. If you're looking for a great Western boot or a good uh, 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 cowboy boot, one that you can wear with a suit, one that you could wear on the ranch, this is it Decovis, they are about half the price of any boot in its class uh, so i want you to I want you to look at these and you can uh, order them it 's free shipping and free returns so ordering is risk free if it's if it 's not the right size, you don 't like it for some reason or another, you can return it. Tecovis, they always err on the side of their customers. Find your pair now of Tecovis at tacoviscom slash back. That's T-E C O V A S Tecovis.com slash
3: <clears throat> <clears throat>
1: <throat> We can only hope that I have a another vocal cord. Uh, experience uh this summer oh that would be great we could bring in a black woman to replace we you. could <laughs> would we be could great. Mm-hmm. we could um and I wouldn't have a problem with that
3: <laughs> No, it's time
1: i think yeah. it's time right? <laughs> no. for a little no, diversity you know if there was a if there was a black woman that that had you know, my traits, having her on, mm-hmm. giving her opinions on this show would be fine. Well, of course it would. Right. Yes. The, your problem is you think James Bond is being replaced by a black woman and James Bond is a guy. Mm. so That's you're true so you're the problem I'm the problem here, here. yeah <laughs> <laughs> love oh. I just know you want to have it wait wait, wait. Of the diversity right if d- you want to have d- a mandate. problem date I know if you want to have a problem have mm. a problem with the guy who is replacing James Bond as James Bond he's always been a white guy mm-hmm. he's not a white he's not a black man he's always been a white guy if right. you want to have that conversation okay and what is he now he's white he's still white. James Bond, yes. Yeah. Who's, Who's replacing Daniel is, Craig? Uh the guy who he's a great actor. Um uh don't remember his name. He's a black guy, but not in this Bond movie. <laughs> but yeah, but a, not guy in this one. is becoming Bond. What? Right? A black guy is becoming yeah, Bond. Yeah, is becoming Bond. And yeah. so, you know, if you want to just, you know, flush all of the history of this guy with it, it was like uh when uh what's his name did one one Bond movie and he was like sensitive and oh, you know, I'm not going to be bad with Timothy women. Dalton? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not James Bond. Right. Mm-hmm. We, we know who James Bond is. He's a white guy from Scotland. Right. We got it. Yeah. Okay? He's not a black guy. Right. Now, that one, you could have an intellectual argument over on, let's stop changing the stories. Can we please stop changing the stories? Mm-hmm. Just for political correctness. Mm-hmm. But... And then can we move on with our lives? Because it's freaking James Bond. The 007 status in this particular movie, James Bond is still Daniel Craig. And James Bond is pissed because his 00 status is gone and he wants it back from
2: the new person that has that 00 status. So he's still James Bond. Right. And then they're just... So basically, what they've come up with a way to justify the diversity move here in the story, and you're accepting it. That's essentially what we're learning. I right?
1: <laughs> try not to hate everybody and everything. No, I just. I'm trying, I'm trying not to be. I, I, guys, I was just in New York for the last week. Well, I know. And it
3: is that, the worst. Like, Hamilton was interesting because. I don't know if you know this. Alexander Hamilton wasn't black. What? Shut up. What are you no, talking about? he wasn't. He was Shut a white up. guy. He was a white guy. Now, if we. What if what if you'd made Martin Luther King a white, a guy. white guy? Can you
1: imagine the... Uh, so so mean, hang on just a second. Wait, 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 wait. So would you have a problem? Because I wouldn't. Would you have a problem with a great actor who happened to be black playing uh, one of our founders if it wasn't all about this stupid diversity thing? So in other words, a great actor could play malcolm x or martin luther king it would be it would be hard you have to go farther away
2: I mean, let's go and go the other way is it okay for you know a white person to play black people we look back at that in history and, and we say that's no. negative right we look the back at blackface no. and say that's a right, bad because idea it's unless demeaning. you happen to be governor of virginia it, it's a really bad idea right because right. it was demeaning if
1: you played the role right it still would not be acceptable in our society be that because of political correctness but it's
2: just also dumb Right, like there's, there's, you know what? There's mm-hmm. black people and black founders. By the way, yeah. they can have black people play yeah. black. The black founders. It'd be yes. great to see some freaking movies about sure would. that. Yeah, I'd yeah. love would. to see it that. Would. It would tell the real story. It yeah. would, which we've done. It would. Uh, I just don't. I mean, like, and then you see Scarlett. Jo- Scarlett Scar- Johansson jo. getting yeah. in trouble uh-huh. because she said she should be able to play anyone she wants. She right. should be able to play any tree or or bee, yeah, or whatever it was whatever. that she wants, mm-hmm. and that's being seen as this like, oh my gosh, I can't believe. How dare How she? How dare she? Well, because she got a role taken from her because she's not trans. So
3: I guess now only trans people can tra- can play a trans role. And I it's think so it's like, stupid. It's stupid. And like it's stupid. It, but it, wait a minute.
2: Hang on obvious, just a second. What's the difference between white and black? Right, exactly. I think it's just the real visibility, right? I think Rod, uh, Daniel Craig took some heat at the beginning when he was named Bond because he was too short. Like this is guys too short to be Bond. People noticed yeah, well, that.
1: No, yeah, but that's ridiculous. Well, but I mean, it's
2: not. Tom
1: Cruise is five one.
2: Right, but Tom Cruise is playing like Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise is a, standing on a, a box. Like five, you just can't see him right. standing on and, the box, b- and because it's hidden, you, you can't do that with skin color. It's a, just a right. really obvious trait. Right, right, right. You can't you can't do it. Like if you had even if it's like long hair, right? Like there's things that you can alter. To make the person appear like the person they're playing. And so you do those things. You can't do it with skin color. That's why it's the most obvious one. I have
1: to tell you. Or gender. The hate here. We need Marianne Williamson here. Uh, Because the hate that is happening (laughs) on this show right now. Overwhelming. 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 That's true. Now, I don't know. Did you guys hear the Marianne Williamson prayer? Mm. I Uh, have not uh, yet. Now, this is not cult-like at all. This does not feel like some sort of... Mm-hmm. spooky, you know, what's that name of that movie? So, Somar or something? That movie that's
2: out right oh, now. Yeah. yeah. that's It's nothing like this. Definitely doesn't sound like Get Out Part 2. <laughs> There's definitely no... No. You're not going to feel that here. Here it is.
4: Marianne As
5: Maritza. I speak, I'm going to ask the white Americans in the room to please repeat after me. Okay. <clears throat> On behalf of myself and on behalf of my country, to you and all all African-Americans, from the beginning of our nation's history, history. in honor of your ancestors and on behalf of your children, Please hear this from my heart.
2: Can't be from your heart. I
5: apologize. Please forgive us. Please forgive us. Wait, With this prayer I anything. acknowledge prayer. the depth of the evils that have been perpetrated against black people in America.
2: It's too long. Is it yeah, about in
3: Amer- America? America slavery? <laughs>
5: to lynchings, to white supremacist laws, to to the denial of voting rights, to to all the ways, ways, (laughs) both large and small, small, all of them evil, Mm. all of them them wrong, Mm. wrong, for all the oppression oppression. and all of the injustices. I apologize. Is this a never ending okay. prayer? Yes. Yeah, I know.
3: The Lord is
1: like, okay,
3: <laughs> okay all I got it.
5: Right. I got now.
1: it for the love of Pete. Okay, so <laughs> does she then say, now turn around and reverse this? Oh,
2: oh, surely they just left right. that out of the video. She, yeah, so she she doesn't do that. My. my are you I saying actually, that black people have to apologize for something, Glenn? Like, what are you, yeah, exactly I think all, are you I
1: think all oh, Americans need oh to gosh. apologize for a lot of stuff. Oh, my mm. gosh. Yeah. We've done it. that on this show where mm. I've come out and said, hey, mm-hmm. I made some mistakes and I apologize. It's always good to apologize. It's always good to recognize someone else's pain. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it can't be a one-way street unless it's God on the other end. When you're apologizing to God, you don't go, well, it's your turn now. <laughs> Okay, He has nothing to apologize for, but everybody mm-hmm. else has something to apologize for. There's nothing wrong with this recognition if it would just stop there. But this isn't going to stop there. Well, except these aren't the
3: people that are responsible for slavery and yeah, the yeah, discrimination so laws.
2: Yeah, that's where so, the real the real
3: issue is. Then, yeah, right? no, like, I know
2: It's not them. And what they a, didn't do it? What a creepy moment if you happen really to creepy. be one of the African Americans there. Like, there's and just they're being touched during that people. time. You touched and, like, the entire time me. throughout the 12 minute <laughs> prayer, and like, they've got their hands on the guys. <laughs> yeah. There's like apologizing. Wouldn't you? I mean, every African American I think I've ever met would be like. Uh, dude first of all Get hands off, off. yeah second yes. of all you don't need to apologize to me for something that you I weren't ain't. even alive for agree with you and
1: I think many African Americans agree with that as well the ones mm. who are going to marry themselves and prayers. <laughs> pull themselves up by the bootstraps mm. uh, they are not there however we do know that it is important through aA and and through all religious organizations it is important to recognize the pain of others and just to say it's good and i i apologize i am with you blah 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 But the problem with it is it always it doesn't stop there now i have to pay you reparations no wait a minute what I'm recognizing your pain. I had nothing to do with you causing your pain, but Mm -hmm. I am recognizing your pain because you are a human being just like I am. And when I have pain, it feels good for somebody to come up to me and say, I'm sorry Mm -hmm. for the loss of your mother. Okay, you didn't kill my mom, dude. Why are you sorry? Because I'm recognizing your pain. And so when it stops at that, I'm sorry for your loss. When it stops there, Mm -hmm. Okay, but it doesn't stop there. What yeah. happens is, I'm sorry for the loss of your mother. I know. Thank you for that. Now, pay me
2: money. Right. I mean, I know Williamson in particular yeah. is is advocating for about a half a trillion dollars in reparations. Well, we have it. Oh yeah, you know, we've got plenty of world. extra money. <laughs> yeah, we're the
3: richest nation
2: on earth. Yeah, that's the sure. least we can do. Amen that's the least for that, we brother. can do. I think she right. said. I think she's the one that said it was uh, anything under a hundred billion dollars mm. is an insult. it would be if we gave her them if we gave african-americans and again how you'd figure out who gets the who gets the money and who doesn't whatever that's impossibly Mm -hmm. complicated but if we gave them only 99 billion that would be an insult (laughs) just the 99 billion what about
1: the african-americans that would find it insulting to take reparations and what about the
2: african-americans who didn't have that weren't here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well here's the thing we don't need any more black faces that aren't black voices Wait,
1: what? Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. You can't do that right before I go into a commercial. You cannot do that. Stand by. Forget you heard that, because that is another can of worms we're about to open up. According to studies, just over 10% of break-ins are planned beforehand. The rest are spur-of-the-moment, crimes of opportunity. In other words, random. People come up to a house, they see it doesn't have home security. It's 300 times more likely to be broken into. That's crazy. What's even worse is only one in five homes have security. And there's a lot of reasons for that. It's too expensive. It's a pain in the butt. Uh, I don't own the house. Whatever it is. Home security systems, when they're triggered, the other problem is a lot of times police assume that it's a false alarm and the call goes to the bottom of the list. But Simply Safe uses their video verification technology to visually confirm the break-in, allowing police to get to the scene 3.5 times faster than with other home security companies. It's a game changer. Still no contract, no hidden fees, no fine print, around-the-clock monitoring is $15 a month uh you own the system it's simple it's simply safe they have a great deal going on right now simplysafebeck.com get a free hd security camera when you order that's a $100 value a free hd security camera at simplysafebeck.com go there now simplysafebeck.com we pause for 10 seconds station id All right, so uh, you know the, the what it's not called the gang; it's the squad. The squad, the squad, yes. mm-hmm. the squad. named after I think uh, Taylor Swift.
4: Uh, which yeah, her is, people were no, the squad. They're
1: no, not a posse anymore; they're a squad. Right. Well, it's the mod squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They're a modern squad. It's the mod squad.
2: And there's yeah. nothing more diverse, I think, than Taylor Swift. I, I like to call them the, the four horsewomen of the apocalypse.
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you may be right. Uh-huh. You may be right. I think they might be. Uh, okay, so so there's a couple of things. First of all, uh, at the Netroots over the weekend, I think we have this, uh, Stu. Uh, I'm trying to f- – I just saw it a few minutes ago. At the Netflix uh, conference, somebody, uh, somebody took the stage and said – not Netflix, uh, Netroots, Netflix. Netroots. Um, and said, uh, you know, we don't need any more black faces that don't want to be black
2: voices. Yeah, it was, um, no. I believe it was brown, uh, to be clear. We don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. Uh, from Press, Presley, we do, I think we do have the clip here. Do we have that?
5: For whatever lived experience and identity that you represent, if you are not prepared to come to that table and to represent that voice, don't come. Because we don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. We don't need black faces that oh. don't want to be a black voice. Oh, do we both. don't need Muslims that don't want to be a Muslim voice. We What's don't need mean? queers that don't want to be a queer voice.
2: A, wow. Queer is made. What a what a wonderful recovery. The word queer is made. Yeah, no what, and incredible if achievement.
5: Stereotypes. <laughs> Please don't even show up. Because we need you to represent that voice.
1: No, what we need you to do is represent your, uh, your district and all of the voices in your district. You are a representative for your district. See, this is the problem. This this is what our real problem is in America. We have decided somehow or another that anybody who goes to Washington is supposed to represent their voice, their people. No, you're supposed to represent the people in your district, white, black, yellow, brown, doesn't matter. All of those people and only those people. You're not there to speak for America. You're there to speak for the people who put you into office. It's mm -hmm. this is this is the problem
2: that our founders saw with national government, and of course, putting yourself always defining yourself by some characteristic, the color of your skin, your sexual preference, whatever it is. It's always this sort of uh, group identity. But I mean, again. And you may have noticed that at times it's not a great idea to call uh, public officials racist, Glenn. I don't know if you've discovered that yet in your life. Um, but it's, yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've I've seen that lesson taught once. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently you're the only one who's heard it because uh, yes. I, one of the easiest ways to figure out if something is racist if you're just not sure is to reverse the colors. So if she were to, if, if a representative were to come out today in the news and say, we don't need any more white faces that don't want to be a white voice do you think Mm -hmm. the media would notice that comment i'm hearing how they're dealing with donald trump tweets right now try this we don't want any christian that
1: doesn't want to be a christian voice she just said we don't want Mm -hmm. any muslims that don't want to be Mm -hmm. a muslim voice well wait a minute uh that's kind of scary isn't it
2: hey i mean like at least at the very least, at least a Muslim Christian is is an ideology, right? It's at least a, a, a collection of beliefs. Yeah, black no, but is not a collection of beliefs. White is not a collection of beliefs. It's just a color. So what does it that mean? It should be mean? completely meaningless. Does right? that
3: mean that we only want to hear from black people who are progressive? Is that well, what the 100 uh, percent right? She's saying she's saying
2: I don't want t- yeah. uh, Tim
3: Scott. Right. Right. Like I don't. Yes. I, I don't want. If you're a conservative black, you're not really a black voice. Right. And we don't want to hear from you. Yeah. That's what that is. Exactly. I mean, if you're Hispanic and you're conservative, you don't have a Hispanic voice. You yeah,
2: don't have a brown voice. Right. I mean, like, with all of these things are coming out. Well, uh, these, these racist mm. tweets by Donald Trump against people like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. I mean, he must hate all uh, people with any Hispanic descent. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Did, did he hate the guy that you guys got fired this week, Acosta, who he had as labor yeah. secretary? Yeah. Did he hate him? Because, I mean, you guys all pressured him. He, he had one of the most powerful jobs in the world. Now he doesn't. You're actually taking jobs away from Hispanics. (laughs) But no, Mm -hmm. uh, we have to completely ignore these things. The idea that you can say that you want someone who's going to speak for a race is so fundamentally at odds with what we were supposed to do.
1: And I have to tell you, though, I I think it's all coming undone. I really do. Look I at hope their so. look at their polling numbers, which surprisingly yeah. was an internal yeah. DNC poll Uh-oh. leaked by someone in the DNC. They're taking out their own now. The other side is starting to fight back. Mm-hmm. They're at nine percent approval rating. A lot of more nine nine percent nine. That's not a big posse or troop squad. or squad.
0: You're listening to Glenn Beck.
1: American Financing Corporation, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, American Financing. It's never too late to buy a home. In fact, it's the perfect time to buy. Interest rates keep dropping, and as summer goes on, sellers are more open to negotiation. You might even get a better deal, but you are going to save a lot of money. You might even you might even actually end up with a house payment that is less than a rental payment. That's how low interest rates are right now. Some mortgage loan officers may charge a commission fee of a 1%, which can cost you thousands of dollars in the end. Instead, I want you to call the salary-based mortgage consultants at American Financing. There's never any pressure, no upfront fees, just custom loans and dedicated service. Loans designed for you, for the best interest of you, not what's best in the interest of the bank. It's American Financing. Call them now, 800-906-2440, or go online to AmericanFinancing.net. AmericanFinancing.net, 800-906-2440. Call them now.
2: Did the RNC collude against Trump in 2016? Tim Alberta says yes in a new book. It's out today. It's called American Carnage. He joins us next.
1: Man, I'm really excited to welcome a brand new sponsor to the show, Tacovis. I know how ridiculous a great pair of boots can cost. Tacovis makes great boots and accessories. They sell their boots directly to the customer, so their boots are half the price of anything that's even similar in quality. They're all handmade with a 200-step process with only the best materials. Their entire line honors the timeless traditional boot styles, no silly stitch. Or sequins or loud colors or anything else. These are just great boots, like my grandfather would have worn. With Tecovis, there's no need to break them in. They arrive already, ready to be worn immediately, comfortably. They're easy to order with tremendous customer service. Tecovis always has free shipping and free returns. Check out their boots and their clothing and accessories right now. Tecovis.com slash back. That's T E C O V A S dot com slash back. Welcome to the program. Uh, we wanted to have uh, Tim uh, Alberta on with us. His new book just came out today, American Carnage. Uh, and I would imagine it's going to get a lot of coverage uh, in the media uh, because people will say this is an anti-Trump book. Um, however, I just got this copy today, so I don't know. But there are a lot of interesting um, Uh, Interesting things in this book, and everybody is on the record in this. This is not a a hatchet job, at least that I can see at this point. Um, Tim Alberta is with us, author of American Carnage. Is this a is this a bash Trump book?
7: Good morning, Glenn. Well, no, I don't think it's a bash Trump book. In fact, I sat with the president in the Oval Office uh, for a pretty lengthy interview for the book, and I think that I was uh, awfully fair to him. And I actually just got off the phone with somebody at the White House about 20 minutes ago and had a nice conversation about the book. I think the book examines the president and his administration for what it is, nothing more, nothing less.
1: So it it, it was interesting to me because there's a lot of things in here that I have never heard before. For instance, the way Pence... Uh, went and uh, was kind of pursuing Donald Trump, which I didn't know. And the the things that he had done trying to say, well, if this doesn't happen, uh, you know, then uh, this this vice presidency is not supposed to happen. Uh, And he actually spent the weekend with Donald Trump. And what he said about Trump uh, afterwards was pretty remarkable, I thought.
7: Yeah, you know, their relationship is, I think, pretty poorly understood. And it's obviously an incredibly important relationship because most people in the president's orbit, and I think the president himself, uh, believe that he would not have won the election in 2016 without Mike Pence on the ticket. And obviously, they're two very different individuals. I've covered Mike Pence for a number of years. I know him and and know the people around him pretty well. And Pence went from being uh, the pursued to being the pursuer very, very quickly and it was very surprising to many of his friends and mm-hmm. essentially the backstory in a nutshell, Glenn, is that once Pence actually met Trump and spent the weekend with him and got to know his family and they played golf together a couple of times, he sort of became convinced that the caricature of Donald Trump was very different from the person, Donald Trump. And that began this very sort of odd couple relationship. And I don't need to go chapter and verse on all the differences between the two men, but Pence came away from all of it thinking, you know what? Not only do I like this guy, but I would love to get on a ticket with this guy. Yeah.
1: He said that um, he is really inquisitive and you don't get that from the president at a distance that he is, that he was constantly asking Pence questions about everything, Uh, And he said he was extremely sharp. Again, another thing that you don't really get from the mainstream media and, and Donald Trump's appearances.
7: Yeah, Trump's uh, executive style here is pretty interesting. Uh, he has never been... Uh, you talk to people who work with him in the, in, in the business world. He's never been somebody who wants long meetings, a uh, very structured day, conference calls, things like that. Trump essentially gets information by quizzing people, almost interrogating people, like uh-huh. rapid-fire style. And he kind of takes what he needs and he discards the rest. And that, that has been sort of his reputation in business and now in politics. And it's funny... Glenn, if you talk with you know Republican lawmakers who will go over to the White House, they'll sort of walk out of there in a daze, and they're not quite sure what just happened, and they think that he absorbed some of the things they were trying to tell him, and in reality, to Trump's mind... You know, ninety percent of what they're telling him, he doesn't care about. He feels like it's ephemeral, and or, or that it's peripheral to to the to the uh, matter at hand. And he is sort of um, trying to filter out some of the political BS and just sort of focus on you know the, the crux of what it is they're trying to get him to do or not do. You know, depending on the day.
1: I, I was um, I was interested in y- y- the part of the book where you're talking about AOC that that uh, Trump admires her. Uh, and this is really very. It's, you have to really understand the context here. But he admires her and says she's a Vita.
7: Ava Perone, a vita. Yeah, it was. It was probably the most surprising moment in our interview. And as as a quick way of background, we were talking about populism, and I was trying to understand from the president, you know, philosophically, what, what does it mean to be a populist? And so I was asking him, for instance, about you know, AOC had proposed this tax on the ultra-wealthy, and I was asking him, you know, would because there was polling showing at the time, you know, a whole body of polling showing that this wasn't popular just among liberals, but actually there are a lot of blue-collar conservatives who don't mind at all this idea of a tax on the very, very wealthiest members of society. So I was trying to get at that with, with the president, and he was pretty evasive on that question, but then unsolicited, he basically started writing a love letter to AOC and telling me how, you know, on the one hand, he doesn't think she knows anything and that, you know, she's got a lot of learning to do and that she's over her skis, but he was enamored of her. And and he, you know, I just reading between the lines, he did not say this verbatim, Glenn, but I could sort of tell that Donald Trump, I think, sees in AOC a little bit of himself, which uh-huh. is to say that he sort of exposed the the old Republican establishment as kind of feeble and slow and, and incompetent and a little bit complacent. And AOC mm-hmm. has really begun to do the same thing to the Democratic establishment. And I think he sort of tips his cap to her and recognizes the talent that she has in kind of overturning the old order.
1: Right. And so it's not a love affair with her policies or anything else. He just because no, no. Uh, I, th- I think the same thing. She's effective until I saw the DNC. Polling numbers that they leaked out about her where, you know, they have uh, around nine percent popularity in the country, which is pretty astounding. Um, can we can we go to the the TikTok, if you will, of the Access Hollywood crisis? Sure. T- t- tell the story of of what happened that day.
7: Well, you know, the the, the short version is that this is Friday morning in October, and and on that Sunday night, uh, Trump was preparing to debate Hillary Clinton in St. Louis. It was their second presidential debate. So they were holed up in the 25th floor in a conference room at Trump Tower, and it's Donald Trump and Chris Christie at a table. Chris Christie is portraying Hillary Clinton in this debate prep session, and Reince Priebus, the chairman of the party, he's acting as the moderator. And the president's advisors and some of his family members are in the room, and they're all kind of offering some feedback. And one by one, everyone in the room starts to leave, which is pretty unusual. And at one point, Reince Priebus looks up, and he kind of scans the room, and it's just the three of them, he and Trump and Christie, And Priebus says to Trump, you know, when everybody leaves the room at the same time, something's going on. And at that moment, Trump, who hadn't really realized it either, he looks outside of the room and he can see through the plate glass doors that all of his high command of the campaign is gathered sort of whispering in hushed tones just outside of the conference room. And Trump yells at them. He says, yeah, what the hell is going on out there? And there is this long passing moment where nobody quite knows what's happening. And finally, the door swings open and Hope Hicks, the communications director for the campaign, she comes in, hands a stack of papers to Donald Trump. We know now that that stack of papers was a printed out email exchange with the Washington Post reporter who had obtained that Access Hollywood uh, tape. And Trump is reading through the remarks and he suddenly stops very abruptly when he sees some of the, the, the vulgar remarks. And he says, this doesn't sound like me. I don't think this is me. And Reince Priebus is losing his mind at this point because he's saying, what the hell is going on? Somebody please tell me something. So Trump gives the papers to Reince Priebus. Priebus sees the same comments, and he basically immediately says, this is fatal. I mean, we're done. This is, this is it. This is a bit, as bad as it gets. Really, the only person in the room at that point who thought that it wasn't lethal to the campaign was Jared Kushner. And he pipes up and says, you know, I don't think it's all that bad. And everyone sort of rolled their eyes. <laughs> but basically, everyone else in the room that day, from Steve Bannon to Dave Bossie, Kellyanne Conway, the president's children, they all thought that this was it, That, 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 that this was to- that he was toast. And you know, the, did the president did to the, explain how he survived the weekend, essentially,
1: did the president feel that it he was toast or did he know I can I can get past this?
7: You know, from everything uh, my reporting has told me, Glenn, that was the one moment in the campaign where he felt like that things were probably that, that things were probably cooked, that. Um that, that he was already fighting a little bit of an uphill battle, uh, that you know, he, he had professionalized the campaign a little bit and surrounded himself with some really good people who are veterans and who had a lot of polling and, and you know, data analytics to show him that this was going to be really tough, that he'd really have to pull off an inside straight but they weren't pessimistic up until that point. I think that weekend it yeah. did hit Trump that, you know, I probably am going to lose. But that made him all the more defiant, frankly. He right. was going to lose on his terms. He wasn't right. going to be pushed out of the race.
1: So there's another piece here from the RNC colluding with Rubio's campaign and the South Carolina GOP to stack the debate hall against Trump heading into that primary. Uh, and I remember that uh, it, it it was it was quite a lively debate in South Carolina, but this is the same thing that the DNC was doing to Bernie Sanders in favor of Hillary Clinton, is it not?
7: Yeah, well, it's similar. I think the difference is that, you know, Hillary Clinton was always looking at a coronation as the Democratic Party's nominee, and obviously there were some folks in the party establishment on on that side who were just sort of annoyed with Bernie Sanders and and, and kind Mm -hmm. of viewed him as a pesk and wanted to get him out of the way. Whereas on the Republican side, Donald Trump was becoming a runaway train after winning the New Hampshire primary by nearly 20 points. Everyone in the party apparatus who had sort of scoffed at Trump for for the better part of the past year was suddenly coming to terms with the fact that this guy was not only the front runner, but probably the prohibitive front runner because he had placed second in Iowa and then he had, you know, cleaned everyone's clock in New Hampshire. So there was this reckoning, Glenn, after the New Hampshire primary. They had 10 days until South Carolina. And, and during that period of time, I documented in the book, you had, you know, senior party officials reaching out to top party consultants talking about trying to orchestrate some sort of 11th hour kind of pirate operation to take down Trump. You had all kinds of talk about OPPO leaks. You had Mark Short, who of course now works in the White House, a very prominent White House official, but Mark Short at the time was running the Koch Brothers political network and he went to Wichita and asked them for $10 million to take down Trump on Super Tuesday. Essentially the fear among all of these folks was that if he won South Carolina, he would then have such a head of steam heading into Super Tuesday that this thing was going to be a runaway Way. And so, what the RNC actually did, and that's Sean Spicer, who of course became press secretary. Sean hmm. Spicer and Katie Walsh and some others inside the RNC, they got together with the South Carolina Republican Party, the chairman that's of amazing. which is a guy named Matt Moore. He did not like Trump, and they got together with the Rubio campaign, and essentially they stacked the debate hall with Rubio supporters who drowned out Trump in booze. Basically, everything he said that night. Wow!
1: Wow! wow. How did how did Spicer end up on Trump's team? Well, how did any of these people wind up on Trump? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, he was working for the—he uh, was working against the president. Well, I guess they all kind of were previous. Previous was as well. That's a stupid question. I I retract that.
2: It's true though. Uh, I mean, throughout the book, that's a really that's a recurring thing where these people who were very anti-Trump during the campaign wind up with roles in the, yeah. including Pompeo, right. which is something I had never heard before from the book. Tim, can you go through Pompeo and Can I take a break and have you come back? Oh, okay. Just uh, let <laughs> yeah, me yeah, take uh, just take a break and then we'll come back
1: uh, in just a second. More the name of the book is American <laughs> Carnage. On the front lines of the Republican Civil War and the rise of President Trump. Uh, Our sponsor this Mm. half hour is realestateagentsitrust.com. If you are looking to buy or sell a home, these are the people that you need to have on your side. Realestateagentsitrust.com. All you do is you go to the website, you tell us where you live, uh, you're looking to buy or sell, and we have... A response usually uh, within an hour. I mean, I I think it's usually within five, ten minutes. Uh, but we respond right away and we show you the person that you need to connect with uh, there. And they call you if you're if you're open to it, they will call you. And and it's the person that we believe has the values, the principles, the track record and the performance level of being able to look you in the eye and say, yeah, I can sell your home and I can sell it for this amount of price, uh, this amount of money. And and I think that we can get it done quickly. There are also the people that will help you move into a new home, get the right price for that new home, and make sure you're in the right neighborhood. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. We have Tim Alberta on. He is the author of American Carnage. It's a book that is out today and and really fascinating. Um, We only have about two and a half minutes, so this is really unfair to ask you. Um, But I'm fascinated by the stories of Pompeo and Haley in the book. Uh, But perhaps in this time you only have time to answer this question. Is there a possibility that Trump would ever uh, replace uh, uh, Pence with Haley for political reasons?
7: No, not from my reporting, Glenn, and I can tell you why. It's, it's first and foremost, the president does really prize loyalty, and no one has is. been more loyal to Trump than Mike Pence. Right. Through thick and thin, yep. we have seen that time and again. I just can never see Trump doing that. And I think, secondly, Haley would have zero interest in it. Nikki Haley is very clearly positioning herself to run for president in 2024, right. whether that's after a second Trump term or if Trump loses in 2020. Nikki Haley is... It's the worst kept secret in politics. She she is very clearly positioning herself, readying her team to, to get her own presidential campaign off the ground in about 2022. So she would have no interest in joining Trump.
1: How is Trump feeling about this coming election? Is he feeling pretty confident? Uh, do you get a sense of anything real?
7: I think, I think he's confident in watching the Democratic Party right now that, that this very large primary field, and frankly, just the sort of cultural and political forces that drove the Republican Party farther to the right over the past decade, that they are now doing the same thing to the Democratic Party, pulling it farther to the left, and that they may ultimately nominate someone who simply does not have the appeal to white working class voters who are going to wind up probably tipping the scales in states like Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I think that is probably the president's best hope for re-election, because if he can win those three states, then he probably can win re-election. And Democrats have to be very careful not to nominate someone who is outside of the mainstream, somebody who does not have the ability to connect with a lot of those Obama-Trump voters. I think that is what keeps the president optimistic at this point.
1: Shh, keep that to yourself, Tim. (laughs) Keep that to yourself. (laughs) Uh, all right, uh, Tim uh, Alberta uh, from Politico. Uh, the name of the book is American Carnage on the Front Lines of the Republican Civil War and the Rise of President Trump. Thank you so much for joining us, Tim. I appreciate it. my it. pleasure. Thanks. God bless. Thanks for having me. Yeah. That's
2: uh, fascinating stuff because, I mean, it we is. all went through that together, and it's like a, a history book about what was going on behind the scenes, you know, in a, in a and story the president that we are all involved for in this book. at some level. Yeah.
1: yeah, the president set for this book, and mm-hmm. all of the sources are on record. You know, and he talked to each of the sources one on one. He talked to Pence and everything else. Um, And so it does seem more like a capturing of history at that time. Not a gotcha smear book, although there are things in there that I'm sure the president isn't going to like. It's interesting that he was on the phone with the White House this morning as this book comes out. uh, And um, and they were talking, you know, this morning. Fascinating book. It's American Carnage.
5: And now here's Glenn do it the next hour.
1: Thank you so much, Hillary. Uh, when they asked me to plan a cruise uh, through history, I got really excited because I knew I could do something really, really special. We could make an amazing experience for you. Um, on the on the on the cruise through history, we're going to learn about the founding of America, but we're going to learn it from a different perspective. We're going to learn it from overseas. The things that happened and the mistakes that were made along the way in those civilizations that helped really build us. You're going to see Athens. You'll see Venice. You'll, you'll walk with... Um, You'll walk with, well, you'll walk with Jesus. Uh, I think Jim Caviezel is coming with us. Um, it's going to be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Uh, David Barton will be there. Tim Ballard will be there. Rabbi Lapin will be there. I will be. Stu will be there. Bill O'Reilly. And now maybe Jesus himself, Jim Caviezel. Uh, it's going to be something that you don't want to miss. Go to comesailaway.com to learn more about it. Comesailaway.com.
0: Of entertainment and enlightenment. Mm. This is the Glenn Beck program.
1: Oh, the sad, sad tale of the Squad. We're going to give you the numbers uh, on the Squad, meaning the the four horsewomen of the apocalypse uh, that are in the uh, in Congress right now, that are causing all kinds of problems for the Democratic Party. That's according to the Democratic Party. That's why they leaked an internal poll that shows just how weak these guys are. There is a civil war. But let's not just focus on that. Let's also focus on who these people really are. We begin with the tale of two Ahmeds in 60 seconds.
0: This is the Glenn Beck Program.
1: Well, new research show hackers have a thing for the Internet of Things, which is just beginning the. The Internet of Things is the Internet security cameras that uh, account for almost half of the smart devices compromised by hackers, the printers, the smart TVs, the IP phones. Uh, those are the real common targets, but soon it'll be your refrigerator and everything else. When 5G comes in, there are a million holes in your walls. The average household contains right now 17 of these kind of smart devices, and many of them have vulnerabilities allowing attackers to remotely access them. So many threats in today's world and in tomorrow's world, it's going to be worse. You need the people who have been here the whole time and are way ahead of it. It's LifeLock. Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can see the threats that you most likely are going to miss. And if they do miss something or you miss something... Uh, They're going to work to fix it. They have a crew here in the country that actually works to fix those things, and that's where the rubber really meets the road, because they can call me up and say, hey, you know, this has been stolen from you. Okay, so what do I do? They do it. They work to fix it with you. Use the promo code BECK. Save an extra 10% off your first year at 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or go over to lifelock.com. Use the promo code BECK, (music) lifelock.com. I want to I want to spend some time today on uh, AOC and also another member of Congress part of the squad Stu is working on looking at all of the uh, the poll results that are coming out now, leaked from the Democratic Party, which I find fascinating. He'll give us uh, a look at that coming up in a second. First, let me start with a story of, I like to call it the tale of two Ahmads. Three weeks ago, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, hardly a, cons- a conservative publication, Published a 2300 word story with updates about the Elon Omar scandal. Nothing was said. Now, see if this sounds like a big story to you. A current member of Congress may have married her brother for immigration purposes and tax purposes and then lied about it. The same member of Congress also clearly violated federal and state tax law. Now, this sounds like a supermarket headline, but it is. It's not. It's not coming from a conspiracy theorist website. No, no, no. It's coming from the oh-so-credible Minneapolis Star Tribune. Now, Omar and her representatives, um, the immunity here is apparently off the charts because the mainstream media will not go near this story. It's not that they don't care because they would care if it was anybody else. They are making a conscious choice to stay away from this story because perhaps they're part of the squad. But let me give you the headline from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. New documents revisit questions about Representative Ilhan Omar's marriage history. Now, when the story first surfaced in 2016, that she may have married her own brother to get around immigration laws, Omar called it baseless rumors. It's just crazy Internet stuff. But last month, as the state of Minnesota invested campaign finance violations by Omar, it found that she had filed federal taxes in 2014 and 2015 with her current husband, Ahmed Hersey, even though she was still legally married to a different Ahmed with the last name of Elmi. So the two Ahmeds, and you're going to have to pay close attention here because there's two Ahmeds. Remember, there's Ahmed Hersey, her current husband, and Ahmed Elmi. Now, let me walk you through this. From, from, From this point, I'm just going to go with the last names of her two husbands, Hersey and Elmi. Now, this is how Omar's campaign orders her marriage timeline. Listen to this. In 2002, when she was 19, Omar marries Hersey. That's her current husband. She marries Hersey. According to the Star Tribune, they married in their faith tradition. Those are in quotes in Minnesota, which means because it's the married in the faith tradition, they didn't file any paperwork. So she wasn't officially married to him. Omar and Hersey proceed to have two children together over the next six years, but then they decide to divorce. But remember, they were never officially married. They just got a divorce in their faith tradition, not a legal divorce because they weren't legally married. The following year, Omar now is 26, and she legally gets married to a different Ahmed, Ahmed Elmi. He's 23. So it was a quick rebound. And this one, she doesn't want to marry in her faith tradition. She marries in the legal tradition. He's 23. She identifies him as a British citizen. Now, according to the Star Tribune, Elmy's school records show he went to high school in St. Paul and attended North Dakota State University. Two years later, in 2011 omar and elmi divorce in their faith tradition but i thought they were married not in their faith tradition they were married in the legal tradition well whatever that is they decide not to legally divorce so in 2012 omar gets back together with her first sort of husband hersey you know the father of her two children that year they have a third child together so she just went off and married somebody else uh, but got a divorce in the faith tradition, but not really a divorce goes back to her husband who she had a faith divorce. Whew. Following year, she gets elected to Minnesota State House of Representatives. Now, remember, in 2014 and 2015, Omar and Hersey, the faith tradition, husband, file joint tax returns, but they're still not legally married. She was still legally married to Ahmed Elmi, so I guess it was just a clerical error. The following year, she gets elected to the Minnesota State House of Representatives, and her campaign is plagued with allegations that Elmi is not just her her lover, and her husband, but instead her brother that she married for immigration purposes. According to the star tribune, new documents reveal efforts by Omar's campaign in 2016. And again in 2018, when she was elected to the U S house to keep her marriage to Elmi out of the media in 2016, Omar's campaign releases the names of six of Omar's siblings but only their first names, and Ahmed Elmi is not on the list. In 2017, while serving in the Minnesota House, Omar legally divorces Elmi. <sighs> but I think she's still married to Ahmed, the first one, right? Then there's a small matter of possible perjury, because in her divorce proceedings, Omar claims that she hasn't seen or made contact with Elmi since 2011. That's under oath. Unfortunately, there are social media posts with photos of Omar and Elmi together in London in 2014. Oops. That content was deleted after Omar began running for political office. Now, the Star Tribune says it's been unable to independently obtain the original posts. They say the Star Tribune is skeptical of the post that are still viewable on what it calls con, uh, conservative activist sites like PJ Media. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You could easily find out if that that picture has been altered in 2018. Before she's elected to Congress, Omar finally legally marries her husband. The first one, Hersey, hopefully. That she has the right Ahmed uh, at the marriage license. I don't know because the bloggers won't stop talking about it. They're so hateful. The Star Tribune reports that their investigation could, quote, neither conclusively confirm nor uh, rebuke the allegation that Elmi is Omar's sibling. So it's a definite maybe. Omar and Hersey... Still refused to answer any questions about the Elmi situation. Elmi now seems to be in Africa, according to social media posts. He's not talking either. But here's the thing in a separate investigation, the Washington Examiner viewed public documents, including 24 traffic violations and misdemeanor charges against Hersey, that lists he and Elon Omar's home address as being the same residence from 2009 to 2011. So just to make sure you're totally clear on this, she divorces her husband and the kids, then legally marries another man where they all move into the same house. <laughs> okay. Now that contradicts Omar's claim that she was separated from Hersey during that time frame. According to the public documents, Omar and Hersey lived at the same dress. When she, uh, same address, when she legally was married to Elmi, which is weird, very awkward, but hey, Donald Trump hates people, so pay attention to that. Finding out if Elmi is Omar's brother would seem like a pretty easy thing to figure out. But not when your family immigrated to the U.S. from a war-torn country like Somalia that had a bad government record-keeping system. There are no records of birth certificates, so we don't know. Omar won't answer the question about her marriages, and she refused to make her tax and immigration records available to the Star Tribune or any other outlet. Apparently, people who petition the U.S. government for a visa on behalf of a sibling who is not a citizen may have to wait 12 or more years to get one, but applications for spouses are processed much more quickly. Is this what Omar was doing for Elmi, if he is indeed a brother? We still don't know for sure. But regardless of that, we don't know if they're siblings or not. She still broke federal and state laws by filing taxes jointly with Hersey while being legally married to Elmi in the same house. During a deposition before the Campaign Finance and Public Discourse uh, Board last December, Omar said she was unaware that she violated tax law by filing joint married returns with Hersey. She told the board board she couldn't remember amending her tax filing to correct the problem either. You know how it is when you forget that you got married um, at that one time to that other person who's still living in your house. Sometimes it can be very confusing when you're trying to just figure out your taxes. Maybe. If you're lucky enough to land on the ideology and intersectionality charts in the same area as Elon Omar, where claiming ignorance before a state board will get you off the hook, maybe, maybe you'll someday be lucky enough to have that intersectionality. But I doubt most of us will ever be so lucky. The feeling of that check engine light. How long have you been driving with a check engine light on thinking I'm I'm not going to check you engine because I know what it's going to say. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Check engine light. When that comes up, that is is, there's there's a few things that will make you when you're driving your butt clenches. That's one of them. You're like, oh, no, I can't. I don't have the money. Don't worry about it. This is why I have Car Shield, and they have saved me thousands of dollars on my old trucks. Now I have old trucks that are just workhorses, and drive them till the doors fall off. If you have a if you have a car that is, you know, has 5,000, 150,000 miles on it, and you don't have warranty, you need the extended coverage from Car Shield. When that light comes on. You don't really have to worry about it, because if it's a sensor and it's covered in the repairs, you don't have to worry at all. Don't let the check engine light change your life. Instead, get the ultimate and extended vehicle protection and let that change your life for the better carshield.com call 800-CAR-6000 and mention the promo code BACK or visit carshield.com and use the promo code BACK and save 10%. carshield.com promo code BACK or 1-800-CAR-6000 mention the code beck a deductible may apply. We pause now for 10 seconds station ID. It's a Glenn Beck program with our uh, our in house numbers geek, uh, Stu Bergier. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and uh, Stu, tell me the the uh, poll numbers that suspiciously
2: somebody mm. just made a mistake in the DNC and released under, of course, under with anonymity. Uh, somehow was able to convince. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's pretty interesting in that any internal poll, yeah you always have to question, right? Because it's there's they only reveal the one they want you to see, mm-hmm. right? So when a campaign is going on, they're saying, actually, we're showing great growth. Well, they may have seen had five other polls that showed that they had terrible growth, mm-hmm. but they wanted you to see the one they had great growth, mm-hmm. right? So anything, anytime you hear this, you have to take it with a grain of salt. However, <laughs> that being said, the fact that the Democrats, or at least a, a, you know, a very... Uh, highly tied democratic group um is releasing this is what's really notable here. The polls show uh that Alexandria ocasio Cortez has a twenty two percent approval rating among Americans. Twenty-two yeah. percent approval rating. That's um quite not low. good. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> what you would call in the polling industry not good. Um and uh she is uh uh, she is recognized by seventy four percent of Americans, which is astounding. Which is really I, 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 not good. I, I mean, that the fact that a freshman Congressperson has a seventy four percent of people know who she is is remarkable. There probably are
1: probably never before seen. Never before seen. There are people maybe. I was going to say maybe Abe Lincoln or, you know, there is a freshman (laughs) congressman that did have that. Okay. John Quincy Adams. Okay. (laughs) Only because he was president (laughs) before he ran for Congress. (laughs) Yeah, probably. So, but this is unheard of. And the more, the more, the higher your recognition level is
2: the more solid that number of likability is. Right, because people have made their mind up. Right? Correct. Um, now, Ilhan Omar, her, uh, she's only recognized by 53%, so a mm. little bit less. But still, that's an incredible number. I mean, Seth Moulton, Glenn, running for president right now. Mm. Eric Swalwell, running for president right now. Joe Seastack, running for president right now.
1: Most you, people have never heard. I would say they have a name recognition of
2: maybe 2%. Right. I mean, nah. Maybe, maybe. And, they, you know, these are people who are current congressmen, with C-Stack's a former congressman, but running for president right now. Tim Ryan. I mean, if you're not in his district, do you know who Tim Ryan is? Mm-mm. Probably not. Mm-mm. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not in the district of most people. I mean, she's in, you know, uh, she's in New York City, obviously Omar in Minnesota. I mean, these approval, these recognition numbers are insane off the charts. Shows how much attention they've received. However, Elon Omar's approval rating is 9%. <laughs> nine percent. Nine percent. Right. Nine. Nine. Now, think—you would think, you'd think that the people
1: who like her are the ones who know her. You know what I mean, right? So, everybody who, everybody who knows her, or I should say, everybody who likes her knows her okay <laughs> right. so her whole fan base is wrapped up in that 9% approval
2: rating right so maybe she has enough room to grow to 15% yeah. you know something like that but there's not a lot there it's, it's, uh, this group by the way also found that uh socialism was only favored uh was only uh, shown favorability of 18% in the poll which is very low and uh uh is capitalism 56% favorable uh, to only thirty-two percent unfavorable. That seems right to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's an interesting thing. I think it was Politico that wrote it up about this controversy with uh, Ilan Omar and and uh, Casio Cortez and Trump in these tweets. And they went down halfway through the story, and they're like, "Well, you know, of course, Casio Cortez was born in America, and Ilan Omar came, you know, uh, immigrated to America. They're U.S. citizens. They go through the reviewing the story, and at the end." uh also as an aside none of the four are socialists it's like you need to break that to alexandria ocasio-cortez who constantly calls herself a democratic socialist and if you want to say well democratic socialism and socialism are different well it's a fl- it's like you know chocolate chip ice cream and vanilla ice cream are different but they're both ice cream right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a you know we're not breaking her. she's a self-identified socialist And even that she's actually like it's seen as an unfair attack when she names it about herself.
1: I want to show you I want to show you what she actually believes in in her office. And we'll talk a little bit more about these polls and what these polls actually may mean. First of all, on the surface, it just means this is an out and out war inside of the Democratic Party. Uh, and while there was this war with the Republicans, with the Tea Party, it worked out in favor of the Tea Party. I don't think it's going to end the same way here.
0: You're listening to Glenn Beck.
1: First election, yeah. Uh, let me go to uh, Relief Factor. We'll talk about that coming up in a second. Uh, I have uh, I have a great challenge. Uh, I really like to paint, but I technically uh, suck. Uh, at it and uh, creativity, uh, my creativity, I think, is eh, it's okay. Um, but without relief factor, I just wouldn't be able to paint at all. I couldn't, I couldn't handle the pain. I was on a flight back from New York, uh, this weekend, and I thought I was going to crawl out of my skin. I couldn't take the, I couldn't take the pain, uh, on the flight. Millions of people are like this. We all have our own thing. We all have our own pain, and we can whine about it or we can do something about it. And if you feel like you've done everything you can, I feel horrible for you because um, I know what it's like to live in pain that just won't go away. Relief factor, however, has made a huge difference in my life and taken away all the pain all the time, but it has greatly reduced it. There are days that I am completely pain free. And it's because of Relief Factor. I want you to go to ReliefFactor.com and try it. Just try it. You'll get
2: your life back. You really will. I can paint again. ReliefFactor.com. Joe Biden wants you to know if you like your plan, you can keep it. Oh, my God. We go through the seven biggest lies from Obamacare uh, tonight on TV. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Promo code Glenn.
1: Ah, oh, welcome to the... Uh... Welcome to the program. Uh, CNN has breaking news right now. House GOP leaders speak as Trump steps up racist attacks. Ah, okay, all right. Racist attacks. No, what what the president said is, if you don't like it here, you don't have to leave. You don't have to live here. You can you can feel free to move wherever it is you want to go. And Ilhan Omar, if 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 it's so bad here, you're welcome to go home to Somalia. And why would you, why would you want to be a citizen of a place that is as evil as you say it is? Where the people just, they see children as less than dogs. Wow. That doesn't sound like America. It does sound like Somalia. But it doesn't sound like America. Now, this is a racist attack to say, if you don't like it here, you're free to move. You are free to move. There are other countries. I don't understand it. Nobody's trapping you here. People are climbing to get in. Not you. You know, when, when this squad thinks that they can sway the american people there look they're in the middle right now of a of a civil war and it's the civil war that was already fought by the republicans and for a while the the tea party won that first election the tea party won but the swamp just swallowed them now but that tea party You know, much to the surprise of the media was about the Constitution. That's what it was about. And when the Tea Party was then swallowed by the Republican Party, that gave birth to Donald Trump. The people who were in the Tea Party said, you know what? We tried it the right way. Well, these people are exactly the people that I lined out for you in the coming insurrection Uh, Book that I talked about while I was at Fox about 2008 and said, look, this is what's happening in France and this is what's going to happen here. The Democrats have lied to the left for 100 years saying, yeah, we're going to progress to, you know, a socialist, non free market kind of state. We just you just have to stick with us. Well, once they open their doors and said, you guys do what you do, we're going to do what we do. We'll work together. Once they did that, the Democrats thought that they were going to be able to control the far left. They didn't realize you don't ever get into bed with revolutionaries. You don't get into bed with people who say, let's burn the entire system down. You say what you want about Donald Trump, but he doesn't want to burn the entire system down. He wants to end the corruption. That's what his promise was. I'll end the corruption. I'll end, all of the, I'll end all of these people here who just think they're in a party and they don't have to answer to anybody. That's what his promise was. Whether he's done that or not is up for you to decide. But that's what, that's what the people who elected him, that's what they elected him for, not to get rid of the Constitution, not to throw everything out, but to throw the bums out. These people are saying, let's throw the institutions out. And look, the poll number doesn't surprise me that they have anywhere from a 9 to a 20% approval rating. And it should actually give Americans some hope today. When I saw those numbers, that makes me feel good. You know what? They're, all they're doing is they're generating a louder voice on social media. It's just that, that, that 20%, if it is even that, are just so Prominent on social media. That's her hangout. You know, you go to the neighborhood where the Crips are. You're gonna say, "Wow, this is just a this where I'm surrounded by the gang. Everybody's in the gang." Yeah, well, get out of the neighborhood. Here's how I know they're not with the American people. If you can't condemn a terrorist attack on our border patrol this weekend if you can't condemn it you're not with the people if you're calling for an end of all border controls just open the floodgates everyone can come in and everyone is guaranteed health care you come into the country you get free health care that just doesn't I mean our border. That means anybody. I could come from France. I could come anywhere and you get covered health care. Holy cow. When you suggest that we don't have any borders, that we get rid of our law enforcement of You know, people who are not supposed to be here, border patrols and ICE. You're not with the American people. When you claim that this system doesn't work, maybe you've got a few people with you on both sides. But when you claim the answer is to end the free market, you're not with the American people. When you constantly call all white people who don't agree with you racist and homophobes. People are not with you. When you call every black person that's not with you a racist, a homophobe, an Uncle Tom, the people aren't with you. When you make yourself into a victim every single day, people get sick of victimhood. Nobody wants to follow a victim. You want to follow a leader. You want to follow somebody who's picked themselves up. And everybody has tried to take down, and you pick yourself up. I'm not a victim. I'm a survivor. I'm a thriver. I'm somebody that can take this bad situation and make it into something great. I'm somebody that no matter how much I'm beaten, I don't start believing the worst in everyone. You make yourself a victim. You set yourself apart from a basic American tenant. We are a Judeo-Christian nation. Whether you believe it or not doesn't matter. It's deep within us now. Jesus was not a victim. Jesus while they were nailing him to a cross, he was forgiving those. Wait. You're a victim? But Jesus wasn't. You can't forgive, but Jesus could. He led by example. And I know in the Middle East, you know, it doesn't work this way. You don't have your heroes nailed to a cross. But he conquered things in a different way. He conquered things that are deep inside of us today. We have always believed that each man must pay for his sins. That we do not pass the sins of the Father on to the Son. That the the way that you are paid for your sins... Is either you are arrested because you broke the law, or if you broke one of God's laws, you are you are punished in the afterlife. But somehow or another, you will end up paying for your sins, and to try to make good on that, you have to pay for your sins by asking for forgiveness. But that's not that's not what the squad is asking. The squad is asking us. To pay for the sins of people we never met, never knew, to people we have no idea who they even are. We're having to pay for the sins of the great-great-great-great-grandfather, possibly, most likely, of somebody else. That's un-American. It goes against everything that we used to say was common sense. I can't make up for something that my great-great-grandfather did, or in my case, did not do. My great-great-grandfather, both of them were fighting for the, uh, was fighting for the Union, against the Confederacy. One of them died in the notorious prison camp in the South. Who's going to pay for him? Who's going to pay for his lost life? Nobody. Nobody. He had to pay for his sins. He had to pay for his actions. And he paid a high price for his actions, even though those actions were trying to free other people. I can't believe that Nancy Pelosi is giving so much time to these people. She's afraid of the activists. She's afraid of the very small number of people who will burn it down. The very small number of people who are in places like Antifa who will go out and take action and will address their comrades as comrades and make this sacrifice of their life so the the red flag can further on. And I end where I began. If you can't condemn that, you are not with the American people. Back in the saddle here in uh, Dallas, spent a week up in New York, did not have my ex-chair, and I don't like it when I don't have my ex-chair. I get grumpy when I, have, I don't have my ex-chair because
2: I mean, soothing your back in the wonderful way uh, you're used to. I mean you're you're used to being pampered, Mr. Beck. Well, you know, you can't yes, you need to be coddled no, a little bit. No,
1: yes and no. I mean, I'm not being coddled by this. I'm just I mean sitting in a chair that I didn't I've learned my lesson and I didn't spend a whole lot of money on something that everybody said, "Oh, it's great and it is the chair of the century." Shut up. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> I instead got an X chair which is great and you, you it, it afford you can afford it at any at any uh, wallet size. It fits your body shape and it fits your wallet size as well because you can get the X1 which is the basic all the way to the uh, or sorry the X basic to the X1 or the X4 which you know has you know really high grade leather and everything else. Um, it's they're great chairs. I don't, I don't really care about the leather I got the mesh one I don't care about that I care about the comfort level of it. Uh, and it is a great, great chair. But if Stu wants to relinquish his chair, I believe treat yourself is the way. That's what—that's their new slogan. X chair, treat yourself. Don't think that is their slogan, but I'll let it slip this time. Get $100 off right now at xchairbeck.com. That's xchairbeck.com or you can call 844-4xchair, 844-4xchair or xchairbeck.com. $100 off. And if you use the promo code XWheels, you're going to get the super fancy upgraded wheels on the bottom of the chair as well. It's xchairbeck.com. Let me go back to Stu on uh, fundraising numbers. Uh, he's been watching uh, how the candidates are doing raising funds. What are you seeing? What are you noticing?
2: Well, uh, as, you know, obviously, you know, Donald Trump is raising more than anybody. He's the only candidate really on the Republican side, so he's leading everybody by a large margin. The interesting stuff is on the Democratic side, where uh, Pete Buttigieg had an amazing quarter, uh, almost inexplicable compared to where he is. I mean, who's you know, nobody pretty solidly do people fifth. Really think that he's going to win the nomination they certainly are giving him the financial resources to do it i mean he outraised I mean, he, everybody uh on the democratic side and he's i mean if you want to put him he's pretty clearly in fifth place right now i mean he's he's ahead of the second you know third tier candidates but he's behind the, the front for uh front runner
1: isn't he the john Kasich of this particular where he's like <laughs> You, people who are not paying any attention at all are like, oh, I like him. He's kind of a normal guy. And then when you get to know him, you're like, uh, no, I don't think he should be president.
2: Yeah, perhaps. I mean, we'll see. I, you know, I think he has really big uh, support from people like former Obama officials. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of that support. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very early identified by, by Obama as someone with up and coming potential. Uh, and so he i mean that's an incredible haul of 24.8 million dollars which led the entire field bernie sanders had i think 18 he had a a transfer so technically he led with 25.7 million but it was more like money from his senate campaign that kind of came over um biden's number was pretty good at 22 million uh it wasn't a full quarter too so he may have led if he had been around for the first for the full quarter but Uh he should be out raising a guy like Buttigieg without even trying Uh um Elizabeth Warren is pretty interesting. Her numbers are pretty solid. She's not spending a ton of money. It's almost all coming from smaller donors. Uh, she, her, I mean, she's got uh, pretty well, uh, a, a good a good machine right now. Her, her, she's in a good spot. I mean, much better than I would have predicted with her. I've I never would have thought she would have Pocahontas, made Pocahontas was out. I know. After that debacle. Oh, my gosh. Um, Kamala Harris' numbers were okay, about 12 million. So she was kind of in, you know, the bottom end of that top tier. Uh, a lot of this happened, obviously, you know, she didn't have a lot of time after the debate, which was her big moment where she rose in the poll. So we'll see how that affects her future fundraising. A couple other minor ones as you go down this list. A lot of people are going to say the big takeaway on the bad side is Beto O'Rourke, who raised <laughs> $9 million in, in the first quarter, and almost all of it in the first couple of days when he announced, uh-huh. like seven in the first couple of uh-huh. days, did $9 million for the whole uh, quarter last time, only did $3 million for this quarter. Um, that's three point six, a terrible number. Huge fall off. He's spending. He's spending more money than he's taking in. I think he spent five million and only brought in three point six mm. for the quarter. This is a disastrous, like death spiral that his campaign is Gee, in. Who would have seen this coming? I actually think the, the, there is a worse number in this field. To me, the worst number is Bill De Blasio. <laughs> now, De Blasio, think of who this man is. Yeah, he is a man who controls the the sway of the everyday life. Of the financial center of the world, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. A, a city filled with rich Democrats. Yes. And he brings in only $1.1 $1. 1 million for the wow. quarter. Now, he was not it wasn't the entire quarter, but he had almost the same amount of time to raise money as people like Michael Bennett, who, again, who's Michael Bennett? If you're not in Colorado, you might not know the answer to that. He's a uh. senator. He raised $3.5 million in basically the same amount of time. I mean how he's a disaster people this guy they hate
1: him in new york already he's a disaster (laughs) he's just a disaster
2: yeah Uh, a lot of people though struggling and you're going to see this next i think today is the day they come out with who's in the next debate the second debate the third debate though is going to be almost impossible for these people to make and we're going to see this thing go down to about 10 candidates or less really fast in the next few weeks
0: well, I'm Hillary. That's your four minute buzz. And now here's Glenn and Stu with our last hour.
1: Oh, so glad that you're so glad that you're here. Thank you so much. I um, want to talk to you a little bit about Relief Factory. Uh, Relief Factor. Uh, it is uh, it's a way for you to be able to get yourself out of pain without any kind of drugs. It, they are 100 percent natural, created by doctors, 100 percent drug free uh, it's a three-week quick start that they ask you to try, and that's what I did. I tried it for three weeks. I didn't think it was going to work, quite honestly. Um, and then when it did, a few months later, it was still working. I'm like, you know, I, I, I'll go on the record saying that these guys are great.
2: Uh, this is really changed my life you are kind of an expert on this so does relief factor get made at the relief factory because that's a great it does it does yes thank you what a jerk (laughs)
1: 800-500-8384 just sign up for the three-week quick start 70 percent of the people who take it go on to order more month after month because it does work relieffactor.com that's relieffactor.com do it now
0: the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment
1: well, we have told you the story uh, that uh, the, the, the really good investigative journalist, an award-winning uh, investigative journalist, John Solomon, uh, first really broke the, the news about Joe Biden and his son and the corruption. Well, he's want, he wants some Freedom of Information Act. He wants some documents from the Department of State. Well, they strangely are blocking him and they won't give him the information that he needs to be able to do his argument and to be able to find out the truth on what is happening in his um, in his in his ongoing effort to expose fraud if it is there. Well, now he's decided they are blocking me every turn. I have to sue them. We'll talk to John Solomon in one minute.
0: This is the Glenn
1: Beck program Takovas boots. These are the best uh, Western style boots that you can, you, that money can buy. Honestly, they, I mean, you can spend thousands of dollars on boots and good luck with that. Or you could buy really crappy uh, cowboy boots and good luck with that. Cause they, they're just, they don't fit right. And they're, they're horrible. Um, or you can go to uh, Takovas, and Tacovis makes boots on Western wear. That is there's something that you can wear with a suit, and something that you can wear out on the farm or the ranch. You can wear out on a Friday night, or you can just wear them while you're running around town doing stuff. They are great boots, and they are half the price. Of what you would pay for boots that are made with this high quality. They're all hand stitched, they're all uh, high quality leathers and you know, uh, the different skins that you can get, and you can get them online, and that's how they have made them so inexpensive compared to the boots in their class. So what you need to do is you need to go to uh to covas.com slash back. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S to com slash back. And order a pair for yourself. Now, it's money-back guarantee. If they don't fit right, whatever, you can ship them back. But they are built to last. They are built the right way. They are are 200 steps to make each one of these boots. So they are really, really high quality at about half the price. Tachovus.com slash back. Get it online right now. Pick out your pair. Have them send them to you. You're going to love them. They'll fit you perfectly like a glove the first time. If they don't... Customer is always right at Tecovis.com T E C O V A S dot com slash Beck. John Solomon is an award-winning investigative journalist. He is the executive vice president at The Hill. He pre- previously worked for the Associated Press, the Washington Post, and the Washington Times. Uh, he is a, a guy who has been following this story about Joe Biden and his son from the beginning, and he's getting blocked. But I want to start, John, with give a summary of, of what you're looking for and what the story is for people who haven't been
6: following it. That's a great idea. Thanks, Glenn. Uh, so uh, there is a pattern uh, when Joe Biden was vice president of his son, Hunter, kind of following in the vapor trail and, and cashing in on his father's official government portfolio. 2013, Joe Biden goes to China for an official government trip. Hunter Biden goes on the plane with him, comes back with a billion dollar contract from from Chinese officials. That's crazy. In- that's a big number. In 2014, uh, Hunter Biden, who who admits he has a long-running drug problem and, and was kicked out of the Navy for, for uh, testing positive for cocaine, uh he's in a, a a kind of difficult period of his life. He just got kicked out of the Navy. 2014, Joe Biden is named Obama's point man for the crisis in Ukraine after the Russians invaded Crimea. What happens? Joe Biden gets working in Ukraine all of a sudden. Ukraine's largest natural gas company puts Hunter Biden on its board and begins paying him hundreds of thousands of dollars a month or at least his company hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. Uh he collects about 3 or 4 million dollars uh himself or his company does in the final two years of the obama administration so hunter biden again cashing in on his father's government portfolio well now
1: wait in a minute of- wait a minute wait a minute the yeah. the gas and oil company might have needed somebody who was directly out of rehab had no gas or oil experience uh <laughs> and couldn't speak the language they may have been looking sure. for somebody just like that
6: sounds like a good uh, <laughs> resume pitch it, somebody, does. It? <laughs> it does it does <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you've, uh, you've got the suspicion right on its head. And uh, we weren't alone, right? Uh, the Ukrainian prosecutors, the General Prosecutor's Office of Ukraine, began to look into the fact, why is this American, with no gas experience but with lots of political connections, getting these millions of dollars? And in late 2015, they were preparing to interview Hunter Biden. Why are you taking this money? What's it being used for? What's the benefit to the Ukraine economy? Stop! Or, stop to, for
1: a second. Are you sure... Yeah? Are you, do you have the, the proof that that is what they were going to interview him
6: about? I do indeed. I've interviewed oh, wow. the, the prosecutor who actually was going to conduct the interview, a guy named Shokin. Yeah. And I have the official case file uh, that the general prosecutors had that showed or declared their interest in seeking to interview Joe Biden about the payments he was receiving as an American board member. So wow. uh, that is not in dispute and uh and recently Shokin gave the same story to ABC News and confirmed my earlier reporting to ABC News so it's been given now in two two clear uh media uh outlets that that was the case so Joe Biden then proceeds to uh, uh forced the Ukrainian president to fire this prosecutor. And we know Biden did this because Biden bragged himself on a videotape. He did it. He said, I told the Ukraine president, you don't fire that prosecutor. You don't get your billion dollars in loan guarantees in March 2016. Well, Ukraine was on the brink of financial collapse if the U.S. had pulled that billion dollar in loan guarantees, um, it, uh, it would have collapsed. And so it was a very powerful threat by Joe Biden. And sure as heck, the uh, prosecutor uh, is fired by the president in March of 2016. Now, Joe Biden's story is, I didn't know he was under investigation, and I certainly didn't fire the prosecutor because I, my son was in some form of jeopardy. We want to test that theory because our sources indicate that during this entire time while this was going on, Barisma and Hunter Biden and others are having contacts with the U.S. government and possibly the State Department makes sense if you're an American overseas being investigated by a foreign power you might turn to your State Department to get help that's that's what the State Department's there for those are the documents we're seeking to test whether Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's story to the American public now that Joe Biden is running for president is true and accurate and we have reason to believe that there are documents that show contacts between Hunter Biden, Burisma, and others, and their representatives, including an American lobbying firm uh, named Blue Star Strategies, that they were having contacts with the State Department and letting the U.S. government know this prosecutor was putting pressure on them, and that might have preceded... Joe Biden's decision to get the prosecutor fired. So that's why we're we're suing, and with the good help of the Southeastern Legal Foundation, we now have a lawsuit in front of a federal judge, and and hopefully we'll get the American public some transparency.
1: When are they supposed to rule on this? How long will it take?
6: Well, uh, my experience with FOIA lawsuits, they take anywhere from four months to a year. If you're lucky, it'll be four months. If it if it's not, it'll be closer into the middle of the election year next year. But. Whenever it comes out, I think it will be valuable information. And uh, there are elements of Joe Biden's public story that he's now crafted as a candidate for 2020 that simply don't match up to the documents and facts that I have. And we want to we find out what the real truth is. So whether it's you know, a few months from now or the middle of the campaign next year, we're sticking with it and we're going to get the truth.
1: So you don't have uh, – I mean, you have a lot of loyalty to uh... – the clinton camp the biden camp the obama camp in uh, the state department and not a lot of loyalty to anybody that wants to upset that how confident are you that these these documents uh, will still be producible will be there
6: that they're there yeah well the good thing is that under the federal records act most uh official government documents, uh Hillary Clinton's emails aside, because they're on a private server, <laughs> they get preserved and, and they get preserved in so many different ways it's very difficult to make them disappear. We have a pretty good sense that these documents do exist now. I've I've had sources uh access some of them and give me a general sense of what is in them. Oh. So uh we will be able to identify for the court if there's any shenanigans what we believe uh these documents were, the dates of them and, and what they are believed to say. Uh, my guess is that, the you know, the State Department wasn't prepared uh, for me to go to court and, and try to compel this, much like the State Department wasn't prepared to produce the document we found a few months ago, thanks to Dave Bossie and Citizens United. We produced the famous document uh, of the State Department meeting with Christopher Steele one month before Election Day 2016. And of course, that document has become so important to the Russian investigation that the IG report on Steele and FBI misconduct was delayed. So sometimes these lawsuits, work and and you get real important information that changes the course of history and we we hope to do that with this uh ukraine document now
1: how what does that say to you that you through a tip could produce a document on this russia investigation that the uh the
6: remarkable uh,
1: the, the, the 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 inspector general couldn't couldn't find yeah. or couldn't produce what does that yeah, say
6: wasn't, wasn't given well it says two things one the christopher ray fbi uh, is still in a game of obstruction of trying to stop uh, these reviews from finding the true conduct of the fbi for whatever reason whether it's sources and methods or otherwise the fbi and the state department both possess these documents and, and neither one of them turned them over to any of the reviews. None of the congressional reviews of House Intelligence, Senate Intelligence, knew anything about the document until we surfaced it. Uh, uh, we knew that from Devin Nunez, from, from others on the Senate side. Uh, so what, what it does mean is you've got to be thorough, right? You've got to use every lever of power you have to try to force these bureaucrats to give up information that is rightfully the American public. When when you look at the document they withheld in the State Department, there was nothing sensitive or classified about it. It was just simply embarrassing to the FBI and the State Department. And they they, they played a game of keep away, which doesn't benefit us all. And I think this pattern of keep away, particularly with Chris Ray at the helm of the FBI, is becoming more and more troubling. I think it's it uh, might have been one of the reasons why Attorney General Barr made some comments recently that he wasn't getting the answers he intended to get in the Russia probe. There is something going on between the bureau and its overseers that uh, is frustrating to those trying to get to the truth.
1: And what do you how do you think all this ends? Do you think we I mean, we're headed for a place of real conflict uh, with the truth. And it's either all going to come out or it's going to go deeper inside and it's going to become a real dangerous infection. Which which way do you think it's leaning
6: I think, I think because of the good work of Bill Barr and the Attorney General and his determined nature to get to the bottom of this. I think we are going to get to the truth, and he's got a lot of smart people around him that are providing him information, Devin Nunez, Mark Meadows, Jim Jordan, people who went head to head with the FBI the last two years and kind of know where the bodies are buried and where the truth still is being withheld. And I think uh, the determination of Bill Barr will be the winning factor for all of us getting the truth. I can tell you later today, I hope to report a story that will uh, hopefully put an end to this silly love affair that goes on and on between the news media and christopher steele in the last week we've had some stories come out suggesting hey maybe christopher steele was credible after all he had a great interview with the ig and uh and maybe we have it all wrong maybe this whole thing that republicans are talking about that the russia case was flawed is just a ruse and he's going to turn out to be redeemed at the end of this i'm going to have a story today that i think will put a stake in the heart of those hopes Mm -hmm. there's an fbi spreadsheet that kept uh, 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 over-under on each sentence in the Steele dossier. When you see how far off the FBI found Christopher Steele's claims, you'll understand why that piece, that dossier should never have been used wow. as evidence in the support of a FISA. So we'll be wow. breaking that later today. Those okay. sort of revelations make a big difference to getting the American people the truth.
1: One last question, and I know it's unfair because sure. I doubt that you have done anything on it. I just wanted your gut reaction on what is being said about Jeffrey Epstein. That there's the there are these rumors going around that uh he may have been an intelligence uh, uh, officer or asset of some sort,
6: yeah, I haven't seen I've done some reporting on the Epstein case, particularly back in 08 or nine when when the original deal was was, uh, uh, right. was consummated to get him off the hook. Uh, I have never seen that. Now, it is not uncommon, however, for uh, businessmen who travel frequently to be contacted by the CIA or the NSA or the uh, DIA for information. Hey, you're on a travel. You met with these foreign people. Uh, Could you tell us and help your country what you found out? Is there anything that we should know about? Mm That's a very common practice, but it, it, there's a big step from going to that and being somebody like a Christopher Steele that had a signed contract with mm-hmm. the United States government. Mm-hmm. I think the real I think the real factor lies in the judgments that were made by the Justice Department in the 089 timeframe.
1: John, thank you so much. And we'll look for your report uh, today and, and uh, of course, give us uh, an update on on whatever is happening with uh, your your lawsuit trying to get information out of the State Department. Thank you so much, John. Thank you very much. Okay. You bet. Bye-bye. John Sullivan. Kind of makes you feel good that somebody out there is is winning a, a real, few.
2: Man, a real reporter He's is real actually report. following up on this stuff. Yeah,
1: really doing it. Um, that If that comes out next summer, I mean, they'd be best just to get that out right now. You know, the State Department, if they if they're if they have the information on Joe Biden, get it out right now. He has no chance of survival after summer.
2: Do you think that might be why Biden would want, you know, maybe want it out. Uh, But uh, there's a lot of other Democrats there that that would not be. Yeah. You know, know, they want to they want to take him down now. Biden might want to get it out now um, just just to get it out of the way if he can hold on to the, you know, the actual nomination. But I mean, there's it's not just, you know, Democrats you're dealing with here, right? Like this. Yeah. Is and you're also you're also looking scenario. at
1: people who know the longer you hold it, the, the less important it becomes. Yep. All right. Final plans for the cruise uh, through history have been made and they are incredible. Yesterday uh, on this program, I found out that Tim Ballard is coming um, from uh, uh, Operation Underground Railroad uh, and there's a new film being made. I think it's. Maybe Paramount. I don't remember who's making it, but they're making it on this particular group, Operation Underground Railroad. And the guy who plays Tim in the movie is Jim Caviezel, the guy who played Jesus in The uh, Passion of Christ. So we were talking and they're going to show a special viewing on the on the ship of that movie. uh, And I think Jim Caviezel is coming. So we're adding two other passengers to the boat. Uh, You can walk the Holy Land with jesus that might freak a few people out hey yeah look who just showed up huh uh anyway uh you can join us for this unbelievable trip uh cruise through history please uh friday is the last day you can get the early bird special which i think knocks about 400 bucks off of it it is uh, an all inclusive trip including airfare gratuities it's a great value we're going to go to uh, greece italy uh Croatia and also the um, the Holy Land. So join us. Make sure you're there. Come sailaway.com. Go now come sailaway.com. 10 seconds station ID. Do. What else do we have to do today? I mean, we've already
2: prayed with Marianne Williamson for forgiveness. We did. Which was good. I don't think we can let this day go by, though, without really examining Joe Biden. Did you just say Dago? You did.
1: That, not go a, by. Oh, my gosh. You said it again. <laughs> what are you doing? I, that is San okay, Diego. Mr. Oh, my gosh. Stop with the racial. I don't. I'm not. I'm oh like, what a racist.
2: I'm just trying to HR. Get... <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Uh, We can talk to HR because maybe they'll be able to tell us whether we'll be able to keep our health insurance. I know Joe Biden has informed us Mm -hmm. about this, Mm -hmm. Um, and you'd think someone would be self-aware enough to be able to stop yourself from saying this exact phrase that beat you up so many times. Right. If you like your plan, you keep and your I, plan. I, you know, in, in watching it, I did think
1: he was going
2: to stop himself. Yeah, I, I almost, you almost get the sense that he consciously decided to go for it. Yeah, it's kind of like, yep, I'm going. Yeah. All right, so here it is. Listen to this audio.
4: How many of you like your employer-based health care? Did you think it was adequate? Now, if I come along and say, finish, you can't have it anymore. Well, that's what Medicare for All does. You cannot have it, period. Number one. There's a hiatus spot in between, by the way, how long it's going to take. So i leave people the option. If you like your health care plan, your employer-based plan, you can keep it. Mm -hmm. I I
2: don't know if if he did it consciously or not. It's not a good decision. It was the Lie of the Year. Lie of the Year. Famously, not by a right-wing organization. but I think it was Politico, wasn't it? uh, It was uh, PolitiFact. PolitiFact. Lie of the Year. Lie of the Year. By the way, there are several big lies,
1: Mm. and we're going over all of them tonight. The seven, is it the seven biggest lies? Yes. The seven biggest lies of Obamacare tonight in a special
2: you don't want to miss on Blaze TV. This is one I've been particularly... Fired up about because uh-huh. here are the, these 25 candidates, or it was, well, it was 26. We did lose Eric Swalwell last week. Mm-hmm. God rest his campaign uh, soul. He yeah. um, didn't have a soul. That th- was a problem. Okay, now that, no, that yeah, was kind of the ahead. problem. Um, 26 candidates, and all of them are saying our health care is the biggest concern in the United States. And it's like, right. well, wait a minute. Like, you guys are the ones that passed Obamacare, and we're supposed to solve all of this. Right. We're only a few years after that started, and here right. we are in your words, saying we have to remake the entire system again. Right. And I'm fascinated by that. I mean, the only person who's really defending it at all is the person you just heard, Joe Biden. And he's saying he wants massive changes to it. Shockingly, some of the changes that we said they would go for immediately uh, once uh, they passed Obamacare. Medicare for all? Medicare for a single payer and and illegal immigrants and abortion covered and all these things. So I'm fascinated on this because, and I would love to see the ones that you've found because the idea that we're going to trust the same people who just told us Uh uh, for a new healthcare system is Uh part one of my frustration, and part two is conservatives were destroyed in this era, 2009, 2010, 2011, of being hate mongers and uh, racists and all of these other things because we said, you know what, what they're going to do is pass this and then right away they're going to turn around and ask for single payer because they're going to say this wasn't enough. Well, here we are. They're doing exactly what we said they would do. Exactly. That's why it's important for
1: you to see these lies and you see what they said then and what they're saying now. Uh, It's actually uh, happening a three-part series this week. Sign up for The Blaze. You don't want to miss this. Go to BlazeTheBlazeTV.com. TheBlazeTV.com the blaze, slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and you'll save 10%. We'll see you tonight at 5.
0: You're listening to Glenn Beck.
1: All right, let me tell you about uh, cyber criminals. They're unrelenting. They don't sleep, and they're happening all over the world. I mean, they've got people. When people are awake over here, uh, they're working to get your information. When the sun goes down here, you've got people in Russia working to get your information. You need a secure VPN because it's not just the cyber criminals that are after your information. It's also all of the, the, the data uh, warehouses I mean, you got it from the NSA, but I worry more. I can't believe I'm saying this. I worry more about Facebook and uh, Google and Amazon and everybody else that's tracking your every move. I don't like it. I own who I am. I own my data. I'll give it to you for a price. And uh, no, thank you. Convenience is not a high enough price norton.com slash vpn stop the data collection on you get a vpn a virtual private network it's easy to use you download an app put in the passcode once and then you're on a virtual private network norton.com prices start at about three bucks a month if you sign up for a year it is norton.com
2: slash vpn so to get 10 bucks off your subscriptions you can watch the obamacare series all week it's blaze tv.com slash glenn just use the promo code Glen.
1: Welcome to the program, the Glenn Beck Program. We're so glad you're here. Uh, I've got a big show for you tonight you don't want to miss. If you've missed any of today's show, we covered a whole lot of stuff. All the stuff in the news, you can find it uh, wherever you get your podcast for the day. Just uh, go to iTunes or whatever and sign up for the podcast. Or you can also get it at blazetv.com, blazetv.com slash Glenn.
2: I saw uh, Russell Crowe talking about you.
1: You saw Russell Crowe talking about me. Are you watching yes. uh, uh, loudest, the loudest
2: voice? The loudest voice. The Loudest voice. In the, yeah. Loudest the
1: book voice. is the loudest voice in the, in the room. room.
2: Right. The, this
1: the is the this the Showtime series that they were all so excited about on the left that no one is watching.
2: Yeah. The first the, it was pretty bad results for ratings. The first. Uh, I
1: think it was the lowest mini series, lowest rating original series that they have
2: ever put on the air. Yes. So yeah. it's not, not, not looking so, so great so far. So it's just ever. Though it is, I would say, you know, I mean, look, it's, it's very unfavorable to Roger Ailes, the guy who put Fox news together. So that's Have what you the watched it? about. I watched the first episode and I've bits and pieces of the others. Okay. So I've, I've watched the first two episodes and
1: bits and pieces of the third. Um, I think I start to make an appearance next
2: episode. Well, you kind of made your first appearance in the most recent episode in just a bit piece and I, I actually they said one of the nicest things i've ever heard anyone say about you in
5: it
2: <laughs> uh the, the scene basically is they're trying to find a new host and mm-hmm. they come in and they present you as a potential host mm-hmm. for fox news mm-hmm. and Rod ales reacts to your photograph mm-hmm. in a way i i thought it was I, certainly nicer than most people talk about you <laughs> here it is
3: pex agent sent this over
2: jesus an armadillo with a hairpiece
7: Can't
3: <laughs> argue with the ratings. I mean, he took a black hole at CNN and turned it 600k in the demo. I mean,
2: and he hates Obama.
5: <laughs> Set up a meeting.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, uh, uh, you look like an armadillo with a hairpiece. Yeah. Which is, I don't I've never seen an armadillo with a
1: ha- hairpiece?
2: I have a pot. I put up a maybe we could get this made. Mm-hmm. Can we get again this made for social media an armadillo with a hairpiece <laughs> and Thank put you. it next to Glenucu like side by side mm-hmm. because I don't see it that much. And, mm-hmm. it, and the funny thing about you is you actually have your own hair, which most people yeah, would but not I believe. always think
1: that it looks like a
2: hairpiece. You used I, to say you were the only person with their real hair that looks like they're wearing a hairpiece. Yeah, that yeah. was because if I remember correctly, You had blonde hair on the sides and gray hair on the top. Yes, so it didn't look...
1: I mean, most people, they have the gray hair on the sides come in first. I had the gray hair on the top come in. So I looked like a reverse skunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hated it I just hated it uh, And then it all went white And I still hate it But uh, mm-hmm. you know But it is
2: yours but like it's, it's mine it's all mine. Yeah. it's all mine. It's all mine Now whether you're part of armadillo or not I, I yeah. can't answer for that well, one Well I, I did do the DNA test with
1: 23andMe I did not see any armadillo in you me You did see Asian land bridge though Yes I did So I easily did. an armadillo so could I... have
2: walked across that Or rolled Or rolled across Or rolled across So you don't know uh, They did a reference Mm-hmm the, the ratings success over mm-hmm. at uh, CNN headline yeah. news, which was fun to hear. So what have you think? What have you thought about this portrayal of Roger? Uh, I mean, it's very negative in that the part. I, now, I have not seen a lot of the sexual abuse sort of stuff, which I know they get into later on. So I saw um,
1: part of part of that. I think in this last one, maybe, and it's really ugly. But, it's like
2: really ugly. Sure, but Russell Crowe does a pretty good Roger. Like he uh, does. I, mean, I think he
1: looks like him. He, he walks, walks like him. Walks, he walks just, just like, like him. him. Yeah, I mean, and it was, and and you know, they're trying to make him sound they're trying to make him sound like some horrible, horrible human being on his political stuff. But there's, there's stuff where like he's up with uh Rupert Bardock and he's like, I'm telling you, this guy is a Marxist. Oh, Roger, stop it. Stop it. I'm telling you, he's a Marxist. Well, I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff in there. That's really, really bad, but there's, there's also some of the stuff that they're putting out there going, see, look
2: what a hate monger he is. And I'm like, no, he, he was right. And at some he was level, right I think also in the book, and they, they do give him credit for being a visionary. I the mean, there's no question genius. about it. He You'll figured out things. Ge- yeah.
1: You'll see the genius. I mean, one of the things they tried to make it look bad was he said, we're going to give the American people the America they want to believe in as well as the America as it truly is. Well, what's wrong with that? Like a, it's, a an, positive a, vision it's an aspirational future, right? look, we're, we're going to tell you we can, we are these people and we can achieve this kind of greatness. But here we are today. This is what
2: we're doing today. That's just having a positive attitude as I read it. Yeah. I mean, they're going to say he's lying. Right. He's saying, no, the 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 the, the, the America aspir- they want it to be is the America where, you know, immigrants the, are ruining their lives uh, and it's not their fault. It and sucks. You know, like, nobody right. wants that. No, who would want that? Yeah. Who'd
1: want that? Who'd watch that day and day? Just ask the four people that are remaining watching CNN. Right. You know, the, nobody wants to be told they suck all the time. You can be told, hey, we suck right now, but we don't have to
2: suck because we got a bright future in front of us. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. No. I mean, that's that's a positive. Uh, it's interesting to see that. And they, and they go into, you are going to have a meeting with Roger Ailes, I guess, in the next episode. Or at least they're going to... I don't think they do that. I don't know if they're going to go into that much detail. The but, meeting with Roger was... I had three meetings, didn't I?
1: I can't remember how many there were. I yeah, I, I can't do. remember. I remember... I only remember, really, the last one. We had three meetings. And the first one, he was just like, hey, just wanted to get to know you, blah, blah, blah. And didn't, you know, didn't talk about a job or anything else. And then... Um, and then we had another meeting where they had started talking about a job and I had said, no, I'm not interested, but I'll meet with you. And, uh, so I, I met with him and, uh, I made the mistake of saying that I read his Wikipedia page (laughs) and he said, the first thing he said was, oh, great. We've got a genius that thinks Wikipedia is reliable. And I was like, Oh, boy. Uh, And then he asked me, he sat down, didn't say anything. And I'm just trying to, you know, hey, so uh, not nice restaurant. huh? And uh, he's sitting there and he said uh, the television is on behind him. And he looked up to, I think, Bill Shine, who was at the table. And he said, she's not smiling, is she? And Bill looks up at the TV monitor behind Ailes and says, no, she's not," he said. "You can hear it. Tell her to G D smile." And it was
2: like I was like, "Holy mother, what am I doing?" Uh, because I mean, you're talking about going on, and I mean, you could barely read, let alone yeah, and smile, no, I mean, and smile and smile. Read, and I don't
1: do television. Right. You know, he doesn't understand. No, that that was my first job. I've never even done live television before. Right. Okay. Uh, and he says, uh, "Now in our in our first meeting, he says to me." You're the most talented uh, television performer since Jack Parr. Now, that means something to me. Maybe it won't mean something to most people, but Jack Parr started The Tonight Show, and he was a storyteller, and he's like, you're the most talented since Jack Parr. Now, this meeting, none of that was, uh, around. I mean, well, now he was that he's not remembering any of that stuff, you know? Now that he started to actually yeah. think about negotiating with you, he can no longer give you yeah. broad compliments. And so he said to me, so he said, you know, tell her to eat, eat, smile. And then he just looks down his menu, and nobody says anything for at least, it felt like an hour, but it was probably about a minute. <laughs> and, uh, then he looks up over his glasses, over his menu, over his glasses, and, uh, He's pretending to see what you know. He's going to eat. Maybe he really is. But uh, he looks up over his glasses and he says, "Tell me what you thought about the 1972 China Nixon Treaty." And and I was like, uh, "Don't you know what, Roger? I'm I'm not." Is
2: that the one Forrest Gump was at? Yeah, I, think I he know. Was, uh, I thought of some really <laughs> right? funny
1: things, and I didn't think he would laugh. No. And I said, uh, "You know, Roger, I'm." I'm not up on the 72 treaty. Um, Sorry. Oh, he looks back down his menu. Then he looks up about, it seemed like another hour. And then he looks up again and he said, well, tell me about, tell me about Eisenhower. What were your thoughts of the policies of the Eisenhower administration? And I hadn't, you know. I hadn't read anything about Eisenhower at the time. And I'm like, I, I, uh, and I looked at him and I, I smiled and I said, you know, Roger, I could go one of two ways here. (laughs) I could bluff, but I have a feeling you're way too sharp to bluff. Or I could possibly end this interview right now by saying, I got no idea not my area of expertise I think I'm going with that one he went hmm then he didn't speak to me until the food arrived okay so you sat there in silence from the order time in silence then he said to me you're one of those Mormons I I thought thought, oh god God. it's a good meeting yeah (laughs) this is going really well and I said uh yes I am and he said What was so wrong with the GD Catholic Church that you had to leave the church? And I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to even do here. And I said, well, you know, and I talked to him. And then he just kept asking me question, hard question after hard question. I realized about mm, 90 minutes into it when I lost about 10 pounds of sweat, I realized he is only throwing me up against an electric fence to see how I react. All he's doing is, how are you? Because you're going to go on. I've been watching you. You're going to go on, and you're going to say the things that you believe, and you're going you're gonna to be strapped to an electric chair. How do you handle it? Now, he never said that to me, but that's what I was figuring towards the end. Um, and I don't remember what the last question was, but it was two hours. Two hours of just non-stop grilling, no niceties at all. And the two people that were also at the table, they weren't helping me because they were like, you know, that Roger had obviously said, stay still. And he just, he just took me on for two solid hours. And uh, so he said, you want any dessert? And I'm like, no, I think I'm good. (laughs) I really, I never pass up dessert, but I'm good. And I, put the fork down and, and uh, get up and I put my coat on and uh, he didn't say anything. He puts his coat on and he comes up to me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he puts his hand out and he said, it was really nice sitting, talking to you. And I didn't know what to say. And I was like, oh no, this has been great. And he said, <laughs> it's extraordinarily rare to meet a man who has the balls to say what he really believes and even more so to admit what he doesn't know. I enjoyed this. Thank you. Walked away. I was like, I think I passed? I don't have any idea. That's the way my relationship with Roger Ailes started and it was... Wow. It was very much like that uh, in many ways. I didn't
2: ever know what he was really doing um you just when you talk to me you just sent me to mcdonald's and asked me to get you an egg McMuffin (laughs) it's a much different interview process I didn't I didn't Mm. can you do you know the way
1: to find a McMuffin (laughs) yes you're hired (laughs) what did you think about the idea of not serving breakfast 24 hours a day
2: All right. Sponsor totally aligned on that. one. Luckily,
1: luckily, Oh, I've got an update on that really pissed me off. I went to a McDonald's last week at nice. one o'clock in the morning and i got to talk to you about it. Anyway, uh, stock market has uh, been on an amazing trajectory for the last several months. Uh, I believe, you know, I I happen to believe in a meltdown uh, or a, sorry, a melt up. I believe it's going to continue to go up until it just can't go up anymore. And then it it's called a melt up different than a meltdown. But that's just me. I'm a worry wart. I've been reading a lot of stuff that's very positive on the economy as well. I don't know. And that's why I have insurance, gold. We are living in unprecedented times. They're doing things with money that man has never done before. Man usually figures it out too late that, oh, that's why this principle we always lived with for thousands of years. And that principle is gold. Call Goldline now and see if gold or silver is right for you. I buy it not only as an investment, it's been a good investment for me, but I buy it as an insurance policy against insanity, and the world is insane. Please have something left over when everyone else has nothing. Put a portion of your savings into gold or silver. Call Goldline now. Goldline, Goldline Easy way to do it is just call them eight six six Goldline. There's no high pressure or anything. They just send you all this information to find out if it's right for you. Eight six six Goldline, one eight six six Goldline, or Goldline Hey, don't forget tonight at five o'clock we're going to go into the seven biggest lies uh, of Obamacare, and it's important to go over them. Because people like Joe Biden were on the road yesterday saying things like this,
2: "I'm old."
4: <laughs> now they're like this: "Payor-based health care." Oh. Did you think it was adequate? Now, if I come along and say, "Finish," you can't have it anymore. Well, that's what Medicare for all does. You cannot no. right. have it. Period. We all know that. Number one, there's a hiatus yeah. spot in between. By the way, right. how long is it going to take? So, I'd leave people the option. Uh-huh. If you like your health care plan, not your employer-based plan, you can keep it. Ah. Hmm. Why did he correct
1: himself on your health care plan, uh, your employer-based health care plan? Did you notice that?
2: That's where the correction came in.
3: Hmm.
2: I mean, I, my thought was he's not referring to the people who are already on Obamacare or hmm. people who are already on government assistance, mm-hmm. right? He's talking about people who have... Mm-hmm you know health be your job could
1: be, but he 's also uh he 's also a guy who uh, uh, was there to to know that that was a lie, and i can 't believe he 's doing it again he 's also a guy uh, that was there for the war of eighteen twelve Yes which is he was there the whole that. time yeah he was <laughs> there <laughs> yeah uh, anyway uh don 't miss it tonight 's three part series uh tonight on the blaze tv blaze tv dot com dot com slash glenn use the promo code Glenn and save uh, ten bucks by the way, just wanted to throw this in. I was at McDonald's last week. It was like 1.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just going by, and we're joking, you know, can I get breakfast? Of course you can get breakfast. 24 hours. Then I said, I'd like a filet of fish please. And they said, sorry, we stopped making filet of fish at, at midnight. Oh, so they don't have dinner wait. the whole time. You can't get a burger for breakfast, in other words. Wait, wait a minute. Why not? Why can't I? You could... You can do it the other way. Right. Why can't I also get dinner, you little oh man?
0: You're listening to Glenn Beck.